Taiwan added another 17 local cases on Monday. 14 were in connection to a cluster at a Taoyuan restaurant. One of them is a restaurant employee, and eight were diners who were at the restaurant on January 17th and January 9th. Another five cases are relatives, co-workers, and a roommate of diners who were previously diagnosed. Officials noted that the three remaining cases of the day were not connected to any of the clusters already known. Let's hear from the CCC. The three unconnected cases are as follows. One is a nurse at Far Eastern Memorial Hospital. So far, all her close contacts and people in her ward have tested negative. She doesn't work in a COVID ward, so we will carry out genetic sequencing to determine the source of her infection. Another case is the boyfriend of an infected nurse at the Renai branch of the Taipei City Hospital. He tested negative on his first test, but a test done during isolation turned positive. This case's risk to the community is quite small. The other case is a man who was involved in a traffic accident on Sunday and was taken for treatment at Taoyuan General Hospital. He had to get hospitalized, so a test was carried out. Results came back positive, and we're carrying further tests to determine whether it's an old infection. He tested negative for N-protein antibodies, but his CT value was very high at 32. The nurse at Far Eastern Memorial Hospital had recently visited places including the National Taiwan Science Education Center and the Taipei Children's Amusement Park in Taipei's Suling District. The nurse was at these venues on January 13, the same day as a large number of school children who were there on a field trip. Taipei has identified 834 people at five schools as contacts will need to undergo testing. Taipei City has launched a citywide vaccination campaign at seven medium-sized clinics. With the Lunar New Year approaching, long lines kept the clinics busy on Monday. Taipei Deputy Mayor Tsai Bingkun made an inspection tour of one of the seven clinics. During his visit, he announced that bookings for the next round of shots will start Tuesday on the CCC's official website. On Monday, Taipei launched a citywide rollout of third doses at seven medium-sized clinics. At its clinic in Taipei City Hall, Moderna vaccines were on offer. My first two doses were AZ. Doctors and TV news reports all recommend getting Moderna for a third dose, especially if you're on the older side. I think that when your time comes, you should go get the shot. Vaccinated people only have mild symptoms if they catch COVID. For this 19th round of vaccination, Taipei only accepted bookings through its own online platform and not through the CECC's website. During a clinic inspection on Monday, the city's deputy mayor announced that bookings would be taken through the CECC platform in the next round. We had been one step ahead of the central government as we had already opened up vaccination appointments and optimized our inoculation capacity. Let me mention now that for the 20th vaccination round, bookings will start tomorrow. Taipei's vaccination capacity will be integrated into the CECC system. According to the CECC, booster demand has been greatest for Moderna, Pfizer and Medigen. Our vaccination capacity for this week is 200,000 doses. Moderna accounts for about 85% of that, and BNT accounts for about 15%. For the 20th vaccination round, we will increase the number of slots for Medigen. The official said Taipei may add more vaccination clinics in the future. The city expects to administer about 200,000 doses between January 17th and January 23rd. Local hospitals plan to administer another 20,000 doses independently. Meanwhile, vaccination is still ongoing for priority groups. 
Officials say they'll make adjustments as needed to quickly drive up Taiwan's third dose coverage rate. Taipei City plans to launch a digital vaccine passport as early as Thursday. The passport will be integrated into the city's Taipei Pass mobile app. The passport's color will be based on the holder's vaccination status. A green passport means the holder has been fully vaccinated for at least 14 days or has even had a third shot. Yellow means the holder has had only one shot, and red means the holder is unvaccinated. The passport can be used by restaurants and other businesses to identify high- and low-risk customers and to make arrangements accordingly. Taipei City itself plans to use the passport to lift or enforce restrictions on groups of different risk levels. The U.S. and Japan are in talks to share each other's military facilities across Japan. That's according to a report by Nikkei Asia, which said the talks are centered on storing munitions at each other's bases. If the plan is realized, the U.S. would get access to bases near Taiwan, allowing it to quickly deploy weapons in an event of a conflict. The headline of the Nikkei Asia report reads, U.S. and Japan to jointly stockpile munitions, including near Taiwan. According to the report, the two sides are discussing the shared use of each other's military facilities to prepare for contingencies in the Taiwan Strait. We'll sign a new five-year host nation support framework that will invest greater resources to deepen our military readiness and interoperability. At the U.S.-Japan 2 plus 2 talks last week, the two sides' foreign and defense chiefs had discussed the joint usage of facilities. After the meeting, both sides expressed their commitment to joint usage, which would let the U.S. quickly deploy munitions in Taiwan's proximity. There are agreements on sharing military bases between the U.S. and Japan, or even Japan and the U.K., or even Japan and Australia or France. The second matter pertains to the sharing of munitions, notably the AGM-158 Joint Air-to-Surface Standoff Missile, which can be carried on B-1 and B-52 strike bombers. This missile is critically important when trying to block the PLA's naval forces or its amphibious landing units. To further deepen U.S.-Japan ties, the White House announced U.S. President Joe Biden will meet virtually with Japanese Prime Minister Kishida Fumio on Friday. The two leaders will discuss trade, security and climate change, among other issues, according to a statement. The White House said the meeting will highlight the strength of the U.S.-Japan alliance, which is the cornerstone of peace, security and stability in the Indo-Pacific and around the world. As for Taiwan and Japan, the two sides will hold their first virtual parliamentary security partnership forum on Tuesday. Taiwan will be represented by lawmakers Wang Dingyu, Zhao Tianling and Lin Jingyi, while Japan will be represented by former Senior Vice Minister of Defense Nakayama Yasuhide and State Minister for Internal Affairs and Communications Tabata Hiroaki. Participants will discuss issues such as security concerns shared by Taiwan and Japan. They are all figures who have long been representative of Japan's pro-Taiwan faction and who have considerable insights into the Indo-Pacific strategy. Amid China's threats, our response is to further discuss Taiwan's CPTPP bid. I think that this will be a lively meeting. Taiwan and Japan are set to discuss governance, trade and diplomatic cooperation to create a win-win situation for both sides. Now, officials in Hualien were touched by an anonymous citizen who made amends after breaking environmental rules. The individual sent back a pebble they had removed from Qixingtan Beach. Officials think the stow may have been sent back by a high school student who regretted taking it. If even kids can take responsibility that way, there's plenty of hope for the future. 
An official grasps a pebble in his hand is from Qixingtan Beach, in his other hand a handwritten letter of apology from the person who almost stole the stone. In this brief letter, they mention how they came here to enjoy Hualien's beaches and thought this pebble was beautiful so they took it home. Only later did they realize it was illegal, so they sent the stone back straight away. Officials guess the letter writer is a high school student from the quality of their handwriting. The note says the pebble was picked off Tisintan Beach on a whim, but taking pebbles damages the environment and breaks the law. So they sent the stone back to Hualien cleanup team in the hope they'd return it to its home. When I picked it up, my first thought was maybe there was another stone in it. And so it was. When I opened it, wrapped in layers and layers of paper, there was indeed a stone. The team's leader, Wu Qingzhan, knew intuitively that the package contained a pebble. He's received a dozen such pebble parcels before. Each one touched him deeply, inspiring him to believe that the next generation truly cares for the natural world. Locals also praised the gesture. The correct teaching is don't just take pebbles home. If you do, the natural pebbles will gradually get fewer and fewer. Environmental education has to grow roots. This action by a high school student makes me think we should be proud of Taiwan's education. There is still hope. Science at Qixingtan Beach informed visitors that stones are not to be removed. Baskets give you somewhere to put back any that tempted you. But if you somehow get the goods all the way home before realizing your mistake, it's okay. Just follow the student's example. It's never too late to make amends. DPP legislator-elect Ling Jingyi took her oath of office on Monday, one week after winning Taizong's second constituency in a by-election. At her swearing-in ceremony, she paid an emotional tribute to her parents, who were there in the audience. She said that her mission as a lawmaker was to look after society's most vulnerable. DPP lawmaker Lin Jingyi returned for her second term at the legislature on Monday. Her swearing-in was witnessed by Freddie Lim, who recently survived a recall attempt. The DPP caucus sent flowers to welcome their latest member. I am here at the legislative viewing again. During my first term, I was a legislator at large. What I represented was the professionalism of a group. That's very different from being an elected legislator. How to care for the greatest number of people who are vulnerable and in need, that is the most important task I must tackle next. On the day of her return, Lin Jingyi was greeted by members of her party. Her parents made the trip up to Taipei to see her take up the mantle and represent the people. I want to thank them for being so understanding of me and my chaotic career shifts. During my time on the campaign trail in Taichung's second constituency, I saw a great many voters, so many aunties and sisters. I feel that the way they looked at me is the way that my parents look at me. The manager of her legislative campaign was former Taichung Mayor Lin Jialong. In the wake of her election success, rumors are swirling that he'll run again for Taichung Mayor. He addressed the rumors on Monday. If there is a suitable candidate who can unite everyone, then I will do everything in my power to provide support. That is to say, I will absolutely be in the campaign, but the campaign does not have to center on me. When asked if he'd run for Taichung mayor, Ling Jialong said he'd give his full support to a suitable candidate. Following his campaign coup for Ling Jingyi, there has also been talk of him running for office in Greater Taipei. 
呃，我已经担任过直辖市长。I have already served as the mayor of a municipality. That was a very good life experience and growth opportunity for me. Unless there is a very compelling reason for me to run, I will duly serve my role on the campaign committee and lift up talent within the DPP. Asked if he'll run in Greater Taipei, Ling Jialong chose his words with care, leaving some room for interpretation. Yilan County Commissioner Lin Zimiao insisted on Monday that she's innocent of corruption and money laundering. She and more than a dozen other Yilan officials are under investigation over several corruption cases, including one connected to an urban renewal project. Three days after she was released from questioning, she broke her silence about the probe. I believe that the judiciary will restore my innocence. I am extremely thankful for everyone's concern. Sorry for all the trouble. As we all know, expropriation cases all have to be approved by the Urban Planning Commission, and after the commission approves them, the council reviews them and decides whether to pass them. That's how those decisions are made. Said that she respects the ongoing judicial proceedings, she declined to comment on the potential involvement of her protege Wu Chaoqing, who is the acting head of the county's economic affairs department. Fire Prevention Day is coming up on January 19th. Last Saturday, Yilan County marked the occasion early with a fashion show and fun for the whole family. Local firefighters showed off their full range of gear and apparel. Children dressed up as fire engines to perform a skit about putting out fires. The event also offered rope training, lessons on fire escape, and free rides on an aerial platform. Father and son step onto the stage, looking sharp in their firefighter dress uniforms. They clasp their hands and salute the crowd before making way for the next pair. Decked out in life vests and red shorts, these men show off a little muscle with each pose. Ahead of Taiwan's Fire Prevention Day on January 19th, the Yilan County Fire Bureau held a celebration. Firemen occupied the stage front and center, but it was the kids who stole the show. Dressed up as fire engines, they zoomed around on stage as they put on a skit. Besides playing dress-up, locals got a chance to ride an aerial ladder to see Elan from above. Under the watchful eye of firefighters, children hoisted themselves higher using ropes. Actually, I think this is quite practical emergency escape training. Kids love fire engines. I think it's quite educational. Rescue equipment and machinery were on display. There was even a smoke tunnel where kids could practice escaping from a fire. Ahead of Fire Prevention Day, the Elan County Fire Bureau gave a fun and educational glimpse into a firefighter's life. Let's head now to Penghu for a look at the innovative exploits of Master Fish Farmer. Dai Quinn's Hai made history in 1995 when he artificially inseminated giant groupers. Since then, he's turned his hand to many fish, always searching for new ways to make fish rearing more effective. Yellow gourd groupers are lifted from their rearing tank. Their bright yellow fins are very cute, but they're not to be underestimated. These so-called dream groupers have been reared through artificial insemination. 
We predicted that if we continue raising giant groupers or brown marble groupers, big profits are not possible. So in 2015, we switched to our current fish, blue and yellow gold groupers. Fish farmer Dai Kunsai gave us a thorough tour of the farm and explained how the fish are raised. In 1995, he became the first person in the world to artificially inseminate giant groupers. He's dedicated himself to refining the techniques of aquaculture. Now he's managed to raise blue and yellow gourd groupers in their thousands in these net pens. It's a first for fish farming in Penghu. To use net pens, you need a bay. There are lots of bays in Penghu. Last year, when we got several thousand fish for a trial, it just so happened a cold wave came in. Our blue gourd groupers were there, and in the end, our contractor told me the day the cold wave arrived, the cobia fish died. But surprisingly, the blue gourds could still eat their food. Dai is still not satisfied with his current techniques. He's now researching methods to rear the humphead wrasse, an endangered species. We're collaborating with National Pingdong University of Science and Technology. Our goal is mass production, which means many hundreds of thousands of fish. Dai has made aquaculture his life's work, and in the process, he's put Taiwan on the map as one of the most innovative countries for new fish farming technologies. Now, if you've got children under 10 in your household, our next item may not take you by surprise. A kid's song that took the world by storm in recent years has become the most viewed YouTube video of all time. Baby Shark Dance and Year Warm of Unprecedented Proportions now has over 10 billion views on the streaming platform. Six years after release, the kid's tune has knocked Latin pop hit Despacito off the top spot. But why? Let's check out what's so special about the Baby Shark. The catchy tune and simple dance are irresistible. The baby shark dance reigns supreme in the land of children's media. The family favorite was created by a Korean educational entertainment company and blew up when it was first released six years ago. Now it's become the first YouTube video ever to surpass 10 billion views. With many translations, including Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and Spanish, the early years tune has fans around the world. And it's even won the hearts of major music stars. Canadian super diva Celine Dion has been caught singing Baby Shark and riffing on the melody. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, heartthrob Aaron Kwok is no match for the shark's charms. Dancing sweetly to an electronic version of the song, Kwok released this video promoting environmental protection on Father's Day 2021. Many people say they can't live without the song. As soon as it plays, grumpy children are engrossed in following the dance and parents can breathe a sigh of relief. The same magical song spells familial bliss in homes around the world. Baby Shark has also sparked a renaissance for children's music. There's a monkey version too. That video has racked up over 900 million views. A sweet melody, catchy lyrics, and a strong beat. What's not to love? This is one earworm that has a permanent place in musical history. 
The Lunar New Year is here, which means it's time for spring cleaning and hang auspicious couplets. For more than a thousand years, calligraphy of lucky phrases has been created for New Year decorations. In 2022, we're greeting the Year of the Tiger. Master calligrapher Zhang Binghuang was at Formosa TV along with many of the station's most popular stars, making art to celebrate the turning of the year. Master calligrapher Zhang Binghuang lifts his brush, showing a gaggle of TV stars how to write couplets to welcome in the Year of the Tiger. Four people work together to write the phrase All Your Heart's Desires this new spring. But doing your best is harder when observed by a bona fide master. Actor Wang Chan is feeling serious stage fright, his hand shaking, though the final result isn't shabby. <laughs> I know none of them usually pick up a brush. Somebody even said they had never used a brush before. I think it's impressive to be able to ink the brush straight away and write out such a large character. My grandpa used to be great at calligraphy. Now I rather regret I didn't take the time to learn it from him. Today I'm grateful to the master for helping me write this character, Rue, which, as part of my name, is always with me. Fewer and fewer people are practicing calligraphy these days, but I think children today should learn it from a young age, because it's an excellent kind of spiritual cultivation. These amateurs have drawn couplets that, to the uninitiated, look very pretty. But look at this. <laughs> With a few flicks of his wrist, Zhang writes a line on 14 large red lanterns. It's wishing blessings on Formosa TV. The lanterns will hang in the foyer of the FTV headquarters, marking a fresh new year for FTV staff and audiences alike.